Welcome back to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Cam Clutter, and you're listening to the St. Gabriel Cafe. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us now is our shepherd for the Diocese of Columbus, Bishop Earl K. Fernandez. Good morning, Bishop. Hi, good morning. How are you? Wonderful. How are you doing this morning? Oh, fine, fine. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, Today, you've invited... Uh, all of us to participate in a day of prayer, penance, and fasting for peace in the Holy Land. And actually, this, I think, uh, Pope Francis asked for it over the weekend, as well as the Cardinal Patriarch of Jerusalem. Yeah, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem is one of the new cardinals, uh, Pier Battista Pitabala, and he uh, he was the first one to call for uh, a day of prayer, fasting, and abstinence. So uh, in terms of abstinence, it means abstinence from meat. Uh, in terms of fasting, the law of fasting allows for one full meal and, uh, and two smaller meals. Why is this so important? Well, because peace is so important. Peace isn't simply the absence of war. The Holy Father Pope Francis has been speaking time and time again about the need for human fraternity. Mm. Um, we have to understand, and this is Respect Life Month, that every person upon the face of the earth is made in God's image and likeness. Uh, and so in a pluralistic world, uh, we have to learn how to get along. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. He came to reconcile not only sinners to the Father, but Jews and Greeks as part of our, and Gentiles, as part of our Christian faith. I mean, even if we, as part of our Christian faith, we have a, a duty to be as what Pope Francis calls architects of peace. And so I think this is very important uh, when we think about the scriptures. It is that particular land that is, is threatened, the land of Jesus' birth, the land where he proclaimed, first proclaimed the gospel, the places from which the apostles first went forth into the whole world to bring the good news of salvation. And so we cannot let uh, the prophets of doom or those who would act with violence, pitting one brother against another, to win. Uh, that is the story of Cain and Abel. And in fact, in Evangelium Vitae, John Paul II uh, takes the whole story of Cain and Abel. And Cain, uh, after he slaughters his brother Abel, goes about his business. And God asks him, where is your brother Abel? And Cain arrogantly responds, what, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer, John Paul II says, for every Catholic is yes. I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. So the same is true uh, during the pontificate of Pope Francis. Uh, he, there was a document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith called the Good Samaritan. And it was really on end-of-life issues, but the Good Samaritan, the Pope goes into extensive detail, as he, as he also did in Fratelli Tutti, to meditate on the passage of the Good Samaritan. And the, the priest and the Levite walk on by but the Good Samaritan stops to help. Many have interpreted this parable to say, well, the priest and Levite were wondering, well, what will happen to me if I stop to help? Perhaps I will be assailed by robbers and brigands and so on and so forth. But the Good Samaritan asks a different question. He asks, what, what will happen to them if I do not stop to help? And so that's what we have to think about with the plight of, of people in the Holy Land. The Christian presence is a presence and a force for peace, yet many Christians have been forced to leave their homes But we saw the terror of Hamas against the Jewish people, uh, and we are seeing now um, the response that is provoked 
this is not God's plan for human life and for our salvation, our existence upon this world, which, again, the Holy Father calls our common home. So it should be a priority for everyone. Nevertheless, we should not be distracted from other wars that are going on around the world. I mean, I was just at a talk last night at the Catholic Foundation by uh, former Brigadier General Mark Arnold. Uh, He is trying to assist in the Ukraine, and what he's doing is he is trying to train medics. Um, Four out of the five medical schools were, uh, were, uh, were destroyed in the first six months of the war in the Ukraine. Uh, the, many of the medics, the fully trained medics, were all killed in the first six months. And so a lot of people are losing lives and limbs because they don't have properly trained medics. And Mark Arnold, retired general, um, a businessman, uh, when he retired from his career there, he became an EMT, and now he's using his, his resource, God-given talents to try to raise funds for, to train medics, to get mannequins and things to train medics properly to save lives. And there's a war in the Ukraine. There's the ongoing war, the endless war in Syria. There's what's happening in the South Sudan. And so sometimes the devil also wants to distract us. But every person has a responsibility and a duty to help build peace. Mm. And I see now the connectedness of peace and community with issue one, which I'd like Absolutely. to Absolutely. Why discuss. should we be surprised at all if we, if we say, well, you can kill the unborn child in the womb through nine months of pregnancy, right? And a mother can take out violence against a child and society would wage a war of the strong against the weak. Should we be surprised that there's violence on our streets, that young black men and women are being shot and killed, that people raise their arms against their brothers in global scale, you know, in, in wars around the world? Should we be surprised at all at this type of violence? You know, but who is it who first whispered in Cain's ear? Who is it that first divided man from woman, but the father of lies? Uh, and so really we're fighting a war against forces that are both visible and invisible. And of course, great violence is done even to the soul in the, in, in, with sin. Uh, there, John Paul II in his Theology of the Body called, uh, spoke of in the battle, even for chastity, spoke about um, the battlefield of the heart. In the end, we want to be integrated persons uh, and persons who have peace at heart. The Holy Spirit, of course, drives out the evil one, uh, so we need to turn to the, the Lord uh, in prayer. We need to invoke the Holy Spirit to change hearts. His first work of the Holy Spirit is conversion. But yeah, issue one is, is you know, is more local. And they used to say, um, act, uh, uh, act uh, to, to, think, to lo- think globally. Think locally and act globally. Yeah, right. And uh, locally, we have to stop abortion by voting no in November on issue one. Even voting no on issue two, which is about uh, the broad, you know, broadening of the availability of marijuana in the state. We see what devastating effects it's having already in Michigan and Colorado. It's just in Colorado last week. Homelessness, poverty, um, uh, car accidents, fatalities, these sorts of things. So the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we seem to forget this time and again. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez here in the cafe with us this morning. It's a battle for the heart. I, I, I love that. The, um, when, when we're talking about these profound moral issues, there's a 
sometimes a propensity to forget that so many people suffer at, at a variety of different levels. I mean, yeah, there, there are those that are strong proponents for the evils uh, of, of abortion. But then there are also those that are caught up in just that desire for peace. And, and it's, it's misdirected. It's, it's, it's clouded. It's distorted. Well, Paul VI said, if you want peace, work for justice. But justice is giving another person his or her due, and meaning God his due, but also our neighbor, including the unborn child. Without the right to life, right. Uh, all the other rights become suspect. Some people, it's a false peace. Chamberlain said, we have achieved peace in our time, and then, you know, Hitler carried on. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's how many peace treaties are signed, how many peace treaties are broken. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it, do I give it. And it's no wonder that his first words to his apostles after the resurrection in St. John's Gospel are, peace be with you. And he says it not once but twice, and then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Right? And so Jesus gives us an altogether different type of peace, one which the world cannot give. So people become easily distracted, but people also become indifferent. Well, it's somebody else's right. problem, or, oh, I forgot to vote, or I got too busy. Right? But Pope Francis, in meditating on the, on the Ten Commandments during his Wednesday audiences a couple of years back, in meditating on the Fifth Commandment, Thou shalt not kill, he says, indifference kills. Mm. Because he says, indifference um, means that you do not matter to me. It's as if you're dead. And that indifference toward the unborn child, but also the indifference toward the black men and women in our society who are being shot and killed through gun violence, uh, indifference toward the people around the world, in the Congo, in the Sudan, in Syria, uh, in the Ukraine, and uh, now in uh, Israel and in the Gaza Strip. Um, you, you, indifference. Sometimes we are, so, we, we are so focused on our little world, we're so self-referential that we become indifferent to the plight of others. And indifference kills. And so we are a people of life, so we have to make a decisive choice for Christ. Every Catholic, every Christian must choose. Um, choose, choose life that you may live. Uh, and, and so and, and that's really... What, what we have to do is say, I will make the decisive choice for Christ. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez in the cafe with us. Early voting has started for the November election. Bishop, what does the church say about our obligation, our moral obligation to, to participate? Well, we do have a moral obligation to participate. We participate in different ways, though. So, you know, obviously there's prayer, there's working at the polls, there's actual voting. Um, and so Catholics are called to participate in the, in the political process to achieve the common good, right? Clergy are not supposed to be so involved in politics, rather that is the do proper domain of the laity. Uh, and in many issues, people can vote yes, people can vote no, people can vote for particular candidates. Um, sometimes a manifestation of one's conscience is, that, is, is to abstain from voting, right? But, but we need to be engaged in the process. Right? It could be that there are no good candidates, so we choose not to vote for any of them, right? because that's a manifestation of our conscience. Nevertheless, we should not vote for and cooperate. We should not vote for those things which we know to be objectively evil, objectively disordered, nor should we cooperate with such grave, grave evils. 
sometimes you have to cooperate in some ways, but you're far removed from the cooperation or from the evil, like when we pay our taxes, because taxes also do a lot of good, even if some of our tax money is used for bad things, right? But, but we participate in the, com in the process to build, the, to help promote the common good, which John Twenty-Third mentioned in Pachamenteris, uh, to, to help provide for all those things that society needs and which no one of us could provide for on his or her own. Uh, and so Catholics, I would encourage all Catholics to vote, and in particular in this time, on issue one, to vote no. Our no to abortion is a great yes to human life and to the God who made all things. I had hoped to vote yesterday on, on my way home to run by you know, Morse Road and participate in the early voting. And while I'm very well informed on the issues, I'm not informed enough on the candidates and especially for judges and some of the local candidates uh, in the suburb where I live. So I, so I didn't vote. I, I just couldn't, I, I, I wasn't prepared. Well, so yes. Uh, so that, that's, I'd encourage your listeners to prepare themselves. So if they're, if they're very pro-life to go on the websites of, you know, right to life of Columbus or Ohio right to life and see, what the candidates' positions are on these issues to inform themselves, because we want to make an informed vote, right? If we have a practical doubt about something, it's better not to pull it. Like, if you're going out hunting and you have a practical, you go hunting with a good friend of yours and you're hunting for bear and you both decide to wear, and your friend decides to wear a brown furry coat with a, fur, with a brown hat <laughs> uh, because he's, it's a cold day, and then you're hunting all day and you don't see anything, and then you hear some rustling in the bushes and you see some brown fur and you think, okay, uh, that's the bear. But then he's like, oh, my friend, he wore that stupid brown coat with that brown hat. Should I pull the trigger? You have a duty to resolve the practical doubt before pulling the trigger. Uh, and so I think we, we have to inform ourselves before pulling the lever, so to speak, with respect to voting. So, but we want to mobilize voters. We want to mobilize consciences. Uh, tomorrow night uh, at the Newman Center, I'll, I'll celebrate the White Mass. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you about that. So this is, uh, the is it the annual White Mass? Yes, it's an annual White Mass. The White Mass is called the White Mass. Uh, I give the Red Mass for the opening of the Judicial Year, the Blue Mass for uh, first uh, first responders, for policemen, firemen, and so on. Uh, the White Mass is for, for, was started by the Catholic Medical Association. Uh, doctors tend to wear the long white coat, or they used to once upon a time. Uh, and uh, St. Luke, it's a piece of St. Luke, who's a, both evangelist and a physician. And so doctors, nurses, Catholic healthcare providers, uh, medical professionals, uh, physical therapists, they're all invited to come to a uh, mass tomorrow evening at the Ohio State Newman Center. Uh, and then that'll be followed by a, a reception uh, and a talk. And it's a way also of being in solidarity and networking uh, with, um, with, uh, with other people in the profession. I mean, sometimes you're pro-life and you think you're alone. And so you have to think, well, am I really alone? And I think these types of uh, masses help us to celebrate the gift of human life, but also help to um, give encouragement to those who are constantly caring for those who are sick uh, and trying to nurse them back to health as part of the proclamation of the kingdom of God. So tomorrow night at 6.30 at the Ohio State Newman Center, um, there will be the White Mass. I'll be the principal celebrant. Afterward, there'll be a reception and a talk. And I'm reminded, again, of your reference to community, uh, community among these healthcare professionals is so important, especially right now with the confusion around, uh, well, in, in issue one, among other things, 
but also just in matters of uh, protecting their conscience. Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, it, this will be the first issue, and then the second will be they'll go after conscience protections and the rights of conscience, which are fundamental to the human person and fundamental to how we understand human dignity, because the Second Vatican Council speaks of conscience as that place where a person hears the voice of God himself. So, well, of course, we have a duty to inform our conscience through the scripture, through the tradition, through the magisterium of the church, and through uh, human experience, including the experience of the whole church and the church throughout the ages. Nevertheless, um, that's coming next. You know, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists says that physicians who object to abortion should have to practice medicine in those areas where there are abortion providers. They don't really believe in a right to conscience. Um, so, so that, that happens. This, this Respect Life Month, the theme is radical solidarity. You want to show radical solidarity with women mm -hmm. and with their unborn children. But uh, uh, we had George Weigel here just three, four weeks ago, and he spoke about solidarity uh, in Poland. What is solidarity? Solidarity in Poland, how instrumental it was for people being free. And, and then he talked about how solidarity has affected uh, the, uh, the Ukrainian resistance to Russian oppression. We have solidarity, you know, we Catholics who practice this virtue of solidarity. Sometimes it's physicians, nurses, healthcare providers working together, pro-lifers working together, okay? Uh, other times it's solidarity with people from around the world. And this coming Sunday is um, World Mission Sunday. And so um, we're gonna have a, a mass um, uh, at, the, at the cathedral. Actually on Saturday evening is our World Mission Sunday mass. Bishop Jerome Fugio is coming in from the Virgin Islands. He is originally from Cameroon. He's the first African bishop ever ordained for an American diocese. He's the first African bishop ever ordained by uh, an African bishop, African-American bishop, namely Cardinal Wilton Gregory. Okay. Uh, so Bishop, bishop Fugio is a longtime friend of mine, and he's coming. But what we're going to see at the World Mission Sunday Mass, and I'd encourage a lot of people to come from all over the diocese, is... We're going to see Catholics come together from around the world. Here in Columbus, we have a number of migrant communities. I just had the last Mass at St. Anthony Church, and some of the Ghanaians uh, came. They sang in the choir. The Sunday before, I had Mass uh, in Italian, a Mass in Swahili. Uh, there's a Swahili Mass for Sunday month in, at St. Peter's Church. The Nigerians and the Portuguese, Brazilians, they gather at St. Matthias Church. We're having more and more migrants come. Uh, we have a French-speaking community of Africans over at Our Lady of Miraculous Medal and a Cameroonian community at St. Dominic. Plus, one out of every seven people who come to Mass in our diocese is from uh, Latin America, Spanish-speaking. So our diocese is becoming increasingly diverse, and that's because the Word of God went forth, and now people of faith are coming back to us. And we have many international priests uh, coming to help us in the Diocese of Columbus. And so we see that from Jerusalem, the Word of God went forth. And in, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, you see how the early church was persecuted. But since the mission of evangelization is a spirit-driven event, no matter how much persecution came, the Word of God went forth. And so we have to be people on the move, willing to proclaim, as Pope Francis says, the joy of the gospel. I challenged people this past week uh, when I, I had two last Masses, one in St. Bernard Church in Corning and one in St. Anthony's in Columbus. How many of you actually spoke to someone in your family about Jesus this week, or your neighbors, or someone in the workplace about what Jesus has done for you, about what the church offers you? How many? I think we sometimes think, well, Catholics don't do that, except Catholics always did it. They went out around the whole world and proclaimed the good news of salvation and salvation in Jesus Christ. 
And even in my childhood, even, even in my priesthood, I think about the ladies of the Legion of Mary who went door to door uh, talking to people about Jesus and his mother Mary and about praying for them and especially uh, families that had new children born and so on and so forth. So um, this is part of our tradition and part of our method. Perhaps we have become too comfortable. Uh, but Pope Francis again challenges us to go out of our comfort zone, to go to the spiritual and existential peripheries and to proclaim the good news of salvation. And Pope John Paul II also told us to go out and proclaim the gospel of life. They are one and the same gospel, and they are not simply words on a page. They are the person of Jesus Christ. Benedict XVI, in between, said, being a Christian is not a result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. It is the result of an encounter with an event or a person who opens up new horizons and gives our life a decisive direction. St. Paul encountered the person of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He who had persecuted the church, and he went out to the nations and he proclaimed the good news. And with increasing secularization in our world, uh, I think now, more than ever, the mission um, here in the United States, and in Columbus in particular, is agentes to the nations, to people who have never heard from, about Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we're going to do all we can uh, to proclaim that gospel. You know, I'm charged to preach the gospel in season and out season, not to make people feel comfortable. And so uh, we have to, everybody, it's a collective task, not just me. Everybody has to go and share the good news about life, about marriage, about family, about Jesus with their neighbors. Amen. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez here in the cafe with us this morning. Bishop, we only have about three or four minutes left. Uh, we celebrated the feast day of St. Therese last week. I think it was last week. Right. Well, uh, the Two first of ago? October is the Feast of St. <laughs> Therese of Lisieux. Right. October 15th was the Feast of St. Therese of Avila. And Therese of Lisieux is the patron of missions. Yes, and I, she and uh, St. Francis Xavier, who baptized my ancestors, are the patrons of the foreign missions. St. Therese, though, was uh, obviously a cloistered uh, Car Carmelite. Yet she's the patroness of the for foreign missions because she could pray and she could love. Have you had an opportunity to read the new um, document from Pope Francis on St. Therese? Just to skim it, you know, uh, many of the faithful might not be aware that the, the Holy Father released an apostolic letter to mark the 150th anniversary of the birth of St. Therese. Uh, and so, um, but Therese had a very, um, you know, a very simple spirituality, her little way of love, and yet a tremendous mission to be love in the heart of the church. And this is how she understood her vocation. And rightly, the whole world has recognized the profundity of, of her spiritual message. The Holy Father actually had released an apostolic letter on uh, St. Francis de Sales at the end of last year uh, as well. He's the patron of our diocese. And again, the gentleman saint. Always the message is one of love. I'll be leading a diocesan pilgrimage May 31st through June 8th to France. Uh, this year, starting uh, December 27th until the Feast of the Sacred Heart in 2025, there is a um, jubilee year in honor of the 350th anniversary of the revelations of the Sacred Heart of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary. Yesterday was the feast day of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Right. And so we're going to be going to Lisieux. Uh, we'll go to, uh, we'll start in Lisieux and we'll wind up in Ancy, the, the place of uh, St. Francis de Sales. In between, we'll stop at the homes of St. Bernadette of Subaru, uh, St. Joan of Arc. We'll stop at Paray Le Monial. We'll uh, uh, stop at Sacre-Cœur, the Basilica of Sacre-Cœur. We'll be in Normandy. We'll be in 
uh, Paris, Lyon. So uh, it'll be, you know, an uh, intense period of pilgrimage, uh, but to proclaim, you know, the great saints that we have and to, to learn from them, including St. Therese in her little way. That sounds wonderful. Bishop Fernandez, thanks for being with us in the cafe this morning. No, thank you for having me. Continue to keep us all in your prayers here in the Diocese of Columbus. And may we have your blessing. Sure. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you very much, Bishop. You're most welcome. God bless you. Have a great day. You too. God bless. Friends, thanks for being with us here in the cafe this morning. Great, strong words from our shepherd. Uh, As always, this podcast, today's episode will be available at stgabrielradio.com. Go back and listen to these fine words. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow at 8.